Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today the plan is to go through the notes that I have from the summer league practice that we spent a good majority of the day at today. I think we were there from about 2.30 to 5.30, something like that. Um, They let us witness a good amount of the practice. Um, We also got to speak with Nami Ishkeda, um, Jordi Fernandez, the head assistant coach who will also be the head coach of the summer league team for the Sacramento Kings this year at the California Classic and the Las Vegas um, summer league. We also got to speak with Davion Mitchell, who who will not be participating in summer league, but is going to be a part of these um, workouts and kind of their uh, their training camp that's going on in this process. We also spoke with Keegan Murray, and there is one other one that's slipping my mind for some reason here. I think I went through it. Um, yeah, Davion Mitchell, Keegan Murray, Mimi Ishkeda, and then Jordy Fernandez, who we all got to speak to today. So I'll kind of go through my takeaways from that, and then also... There was some news with Dante DiVincenzo, Chemezi Metu, and Trey Lyles within the last few days. Um, the Kings had some decisions to make prior to free agency kicking off, which I'm recording this at about 9.30 on Wednesday night, and free agency kicks off at noon Pacific time on Thursday. So I'm sure if you're listening to this a little bit later, there's a decent chance that there's even more big Kings news that has taken place, but uh, none of this will really get outdated. Uh, the summer league roster is is what it is at this point. And, um, you know, just first thing that stands out to me when, when we're there today is uh, you just kind of can see Jordy Fernandez uh, running everything. And when Mike Brown was Still a part of the Golden State Warriors and going through his championship run, Jordy Fernandez was the guy that was kind of um, implementing things while Mike Brown was was getting finished and wrapped up with everything going on with Golden State and keeping his focus on that. I've heard nothing but good things about Jordy Fernandez. I I think a lot of the different players like him. Davion mentioned today that um, he gets along well with with Jordy and, and has enjoyed the workouts that they've uh, that he's set up for him and it was uh an interesting practice for sure um to see Jordy kind of running everything and you see a lot of different members of the staff you saw Jay Triano there today Bobby Jackson was there Lindsey Harding Jonah Hershew um, you did see Alvin Gentry you saw Mike Brown I'm sure that there's other names I'm forgetting as well. There was no Doug Christie, but Doug Christie was mentioned. Um, and it is worth noting that some of these guys um, aren't just because they were at this summer league uh, practice doesn't mean training camp does not mean that they are guaranteed to be around for next year. Um, we have until July 1st to kind of see what ends up happening with these guys. So just because they were there does not mean they're guaranteed to stick around. We're going to have to kind of still see the way that that goes. I've heard that there's decent chances with Lindsey Harding sticking around. And after that, not really sure. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Um, 
lots of players there for, for Summer League today. And the five that were running together, and this is notable, um, probably my guess, and again, just a guess on what would be the starting five, because they were all getting running together. DJ Stewart, who did play with Stockton last year. Um, and then you had Keon Ellis, who is the two-way that Sacramento signed, uh, coming from, <clears throat> excuse me, Keon Ellis coming from Alabama, who is listed at 6'6", but measured in at the combine at 6'4 and a half in shoes with a 6'8 and a half wingspan. And he's a, a promising three-point shooter. I'm really intrigued by Keon Ellis. I actually just posted an article on the Kings Herald. I got to talk with Keon Ellis's um, JUCO head coach. He spent the two first years of his college career at Florida Southwestern Junior College. And I got to talk with his head coach from there and and get a little bit of information on on Keon as both a player and a person. And uh, to give you the spark notes here a little bit, but not spoil too much. So you got to go still click on that article again at the Kings Herald is that uh, Keon does the little things well. And there's definitely a value in winning plays. Um, there's not a vocal. He's not the most vocal player, but there's a lot of toughness that you see in his game. And I'm really intrigued to see what he brings. He's not somebody that can put the ball on the floor all too well. Um, he can attack a closeout, and he's a really, really good three-point shooter. He was a phenomenal three-point shooter. There's potential for some off-movement three-point shooting, but that is just potential at the moment. And then on ball, uh, defensively, I think he does a phenomenal job of keeping his guy in front of him. He has very disruptive and active hands, and I think that the Kings have some solid defenders that do a good job of just being fundamental and keeping their guys in front of them, but they need more disruptors specifically as a team that's trying to get in transition as often as possible, and I think that Keon Ellis can fit that. So I'm intrigued to see kind of what he brings. Um, he was the the two guard in that lineup, and then after that was Jared Roden from Seton Hall was also playing with this lineup. Um Honestly, not the most familiar with Jared Roden. Um, he did spend four years at Seton Hall and was a decent three-point shooter in his time there on some solid volume, 33.6% on 3.6 attempts per game from beyond the arc in his senior season. There is a little bit of a, of a disruptor on defense as well when it comes to steals specifically and I guess you'd call him a three. Um, he's somebody that I still have to get a little bit more familiar with, admittedly, and it'll be interesting to see how he performs. But obviously they, they like a, a little bit of what they've seen from him for him to be in that starting lineup again. So, so far we have DJ Stewart, Keon Ellis, Jared Roden, and then you saw Keegan Murray out there as well. Um, people have asked me, like, you know, what did I think of Keegan today? It's hard to take all too much from these practices. Um, I, I think that, first of all, Keegan's pretty tall. Um, 6'8 is what he's listed at, and Nami Ishkeda is clearly the tallest guy out there, I think. Keegan Murray looked like he might have been the second tallest guy out there, um, and they have him playing the four. That is, I, I'm assuming that with Jared Roden being a little bit smaller than him, 
um, and Ami Ishikeda being that final guy in that lineup. Um, Keegan looked solid. We got to speak to him a little bit um, after their practice as well. You don't really get much from Keegan. He's uh, I, I've heard people talk about him as like Tim Duncan esque with interviews, and I have not had any interactions with Tim Duncan. But from what I've seen, I, I think that that's fairly accurate. Um, if there's anything that stood out with Keegan, I think he's just excited to get started. And uh, I'll, I'll go through a couple quotes here for each of the interactions that we had, and for Keegan. The one specifically that stood out to me, he got asked kind of uh, if they've defined a role for him right now in this summer league squad. And he said, quote, right now it's kind of positionless besides the center spot. Whether I get the ball out of the hoop and bring it up at the point or just be able to run to the floor, get to the corners right now is kind of positionless. So I'm just ready to find my niche into the team and go from there. Um, I don't end quote. I don't think that this is saying that. Um, they view Keegan as positionless um, necessarily going into the regular season. I think this was very specifically a summer league question. Mike Brown, I, I saw some people maybe feeling a, a little skeptical about this. And uh, I will say Mike Brown in his pr- introductory presser pointed out that uh, having to find roles was something that was important to him this season. So I would very much expect that they'll have a defined role for Keegan Murray going into the regular season, and this is just a little bit more of a summer league thing. Jordy Fernandez, again, I, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He has an interesting relationship with Mike Brown. Uh, Mike Brown actually is kind of the reason that Jordy Fernandez was discovered in the NBA. Uh, Mike Brown saw his son working out with Jordy Fernandez years ago when Mike Brown was still the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Mike Brown's son, Elijah Brown, by the way, was also at this summer league training camp for the Kings. And when Mike Brown liked what he saw from Jordy, and this is uh, years ago when Mike Brown was with Cleveland, Mike Brown liked what he saw from Jordy and decided that uh, he would offer for Jordy to be... um, pretty much Elijah's personal trainer and moved him to the States. And then when he was at the Cleveland Cavaliers facility, um, Mike Brown described how one of management came up to him and, and he thought that he was potentially in trouble because Jordy, who was not a member of the staff was, was out there on their courts. And instead the staff, I want to say it was the general I want to say it was management. Uh, I don't want to say an exact label. I, I should have had this story in front of me. I'm sorry that I don't have the exact details. So if I get little bits and pieces of this wrong, forgive me. Uh, look up the specifics for yourself. But pretty much that uh, they decided, I really like what I'm seeing from this guy. We should bring him onto the staff. And Mike Brown was more than happy to do it because it took him off of his. Uh, it, Mike Brown didn't have to pay him himself anymore and could throw him on Cleveland's payroll. So that's what ended up happening. Jordy Fernandez since has been a part of the NBA, gotten different opportunities to coach in the G League, to coach summer league teams, and now he's back with Mike Brown, who he, Jordy today, talked about his family, um, and he's just so happy that to be with somebody that's on the same page as him, and Jordy Fernandez is set up to be the lead assistant for the Sacramento Kings next year, 
and clearly they have a pre-built relationship that I, I think is uh, really important. They're going to be on the same page here. And Jordy just seems like a really good guy. Um, little things like when he comes over to media is the first time we're meeting him today. He goes out of his way to kind of uh, fist bump with every member of the media, say hi. And I know it's small things, but there's guys that'll just come over and, and just answer their questions and get out of there. And, and Jordy's a guy that is making sure to give you well thought out answers and just seems enjoyable to interact with. And, and we didn't even get all that much time with him. So I can only imagine the guys that are spending a lot of time around him. Um, and it was all about process for, for Jordy more so than, um, more so than actually what is the results and playing hard is obviously a theme that we heard today, but I have a couple different quotes from Jordy that I'm want to pull up here that, that stood out. Um, this might be a little bit of a mouthful, but I want to kind of go through all these that we got from Jordy Fernandez, head assistant coach. He's going to be the head coach of the summer league team for the Kings. Quote, for me, it means the world to work for somebody that I trust and he trusts me. Talking about Mike Brown. Filling in for him when he wasn't here and starting getting things organized probably wasn't perfect, but I put all my effort and energy and I'm really excited to be here. First of all, we want to establish direction with our work habits. We want to have a structure that can provide that. I don't know what happened in the past. And I don't need to know. And the reality is I don't care. We're coming in with our own experiences. We're bringing all that here, end quote. And what he's talking about is, you know, he points to um, that he was on a very successful team in Denver. Mike Brown is just coming off a championship and doesn't care about everything that was previously attached to this team. Um, They're focusing on doing things the right way. They feel like they know what's is what works in this league. They have guys that have been in successful situations. So if they can bring that to Sacramento, then perfect. Um, they, they know what they are doing, and I absolutely believe in that. Um, asked him what he wants to see in Summer League, and we got, quote, competing is the most important thing. I think we all get lost with results, and for me, the most important thing is the process. If you lose, but you lose the right way, it's going to hurt, but you can take it And in the long run, you'll win more than you can lose. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. I really like hearing somebody that's more process-driven than results. I think that that's uh, refreshing in Sacramento uh, because sometimes it pulls through, but it's not exactly a winning formula. 
and just doing things the right way for starting from the bottom, I, I think is important for this franchise. So I really good impression on my end from Jordy Fernandez. And like I said, I've heard nothing but good things. When we got to talk to Namiya Keda again, he's just a giant out there. Um, very clearly the biggest guy. I thought he was moving pretty well. He's running his ass off, um, working up a sweat for sure. What stood out to me from the time we got to talk with Namish, and, and normally I would insert these quotes, but there's a lot of background noise, so it might have been a little bit of a tough listen. So the main quote that stood out to me from Namish when he was talking about kind of what he wanted to on his offseason work and what he improved after you know getting a taste of the league last season and realizing what he needed to work on. Uh, Nemi said, quote, I feel like I got a lot stronger compared to last year, moving better to being a better playmaker out of the high post, being able to stay in front of guards more on the perimeter when I'm switched onto them. Just keep on building on the foundation that I already had, end quote. Um, he very much pointed to uh, switching and being able to stay in front of smaller guys. And I think that that's something that's intriguing, getting even stronger from where he's already at. Nemi said that he feels like the game slowed down for him. And I'm going to be really intrigued. He's somebody that I'm hoping to see a lot of progress from that you really are able to tell in summer league here. Um, there needs to be a, a substantial jump for, for Nemi Ishkeda, uh during this time at the California Classic and also Las Vegas for him to kind of be sticking around from here on. Um, I still absolutely believe in Namish and think that he can he can be that guy. So just looking to see a little bit of progress, and it sounds like, uh, you know, talking about being a playmaker out of the high post and staying in front of guards is intriguing. He, he said that he's gotten to work with Sabonis a little bit throughout the offseason. He was there a couple weeks ago, um, and it'll be intriguing to see, to see sort of uh, the improvement that's taken place with Namish. Um, after that, what else do we got here? I, I think I already went through Keegan Murray, and then we got to talk to Davion Mitchell, who again will not be performing or uh, playing in summer league, but he is part of this training camp. And he just said that he feels a little bit more more comfortable. He, he doesn't feel like a rookie anymore, but everyone still gives him a hard time that he's still technically a rookie until he plays his first game of his second season. Um, and when Sean Cunningham asked him today, uh, what does it mean to no longer feel like a rookie? Uh, this was Davion's standout quote to me. And he said, quote, I feel like I'm more comfortable talking more, just kind of being myself. Last year I was kind of in an, kind of in the backseat just listening to everything seeing everything play out but now I'm kind of being more of a leader end quote Davion being a more vocal leader I think I think his voice could carry a lot of weight in this locker room and he talked about how he thinks that he needs to be a fairly uh his voice matters in this because Mike Brown's a defensive guy. He's a defensive guy. If he's going to be at the point of attack defensively, um, then that's something that him communicating a lot is going to be very valuable. And I think that uh, he was very quiet last season, and maybe we'll see him break out of that shell a little bit. I think it's understandable to just kind of take everything in year one. So I'm curious to see if we get a different Davion in year two here 
when it comes to the personality that we see on the floor and off the floor, really. And uh, asked him a little bit kind of what he's working on this offseason, what his main focal point was, and he talked about shooting the ball, which I think is important. Obviously, I joked around a little bit over UI in that two spot. He said, yeah. Um, so we will see what ends up happening there. After that, we have a little bit of roster news where Dante DiVincenzo to start. Um, maybe actually I'm going to leave Dante for the end because I think he's the most interesting one. Um, let's talk about Sasha Vizenkov, who I covered a little bit on the last episode Somebody that intrigues me, that's who the Kings ended up trading pick 49 to the Cleveland Cavaliers for his rights. And James Hamm um, reported a little bit in in uh, conjunction with Christos, who is uh, somebody that's been on the media calls with us from overseas as well, that the buyout clause is there for Vesenkov and Vizenkov, there were some quotes that came out today um, that I'll, I'll, I'll go through here talking about uh, talking about the Kings and that the Kings have been keeping an eye on him. Vizenkov said, quote, I'm excited that my draft rights are in a club that really wanted to have it. I know the Kings scouted and followed me during the season, not planning to play in summer league. We will talk soon. Just glad that a team that knows me has my rights. You know, I, I got to say, I, I think that if the Kings have been keeping tabs on this guy and um, doing their research, going out there and, and scouting him. That to me, that sounds like a guy that they might bring over. Um, I think there's potentially a spot for him, but the four spot gets a little bit more crowded when you know that uh, Trey Lyles's team option did get picked up. Uh, $2.6 million. I think that that was an obvious one to pick up. I, I think that Lyles. Even if they didn't love him on this roster, which I, I think he's an okay fit as a backup for that can shoot, rebound, uh, make a make the next pass. He's not a good defender, but I think offensively he's a smart player that can do everything that I just listed. I think that even if they didn't love him, it was uh, good business to pick up that 2.6 million and reroute him if that was the case. But um, I, I think that Lyles performed decently at the end of last year. Surprising one to me was. Chemezi Metu. Um, and, you know, I will say I, I trust that assuming that the coaching staff was also somewhat involved in this decision, which maybe I'm wrong to assume that. Um, but Mike Brown, Jordy Fernandez, and Jordy Fernandez and Luke Laux all were part of the Nigerian national team coaching staff that had Chemezi Metu on it. Now, Mezzi didn't get the most opportunity and playing time on that team. He was playing, but he's playing backup minutes. Um, but they're pretty familiar with him from the time that they coached him there. So I would think that uh, their opinion is going to... I, I'm going to trust their opinion uh, on Mezzi. I personally didn't like uh, really much of what I saw from Mezzi at the end of last year. I thought the potential was there. I didn't love him saying that he felt like he deserved more minutes, um, that, that he showed that he ha deserved it and should be given it because I don't think that he played bad in his opportunity necessarily. Um, there were moments that he did play bad, I guess, but I certainly don't think that when he was out there it was good enough to be like, okay, 
let's let's keep this going and see what else we got. I see why Messi would feel like he just ended up getting pulled from that starting lineup because of a coaching change, and maybe he didn't get it re- rationaled, uh, rationalized to him all too well. But I was a little bit surprised that they ended up uh, guaranteeing the rest of Chemezi Metu's $1.9 million contract. Um, they would have had to waive him before the before today or else that ended up getting guaranteed, which is what ended up happening. So maybe Sasha Vesenkov coming over is impacted by this, considering Trey Lyles, Mo Harkless, Chemezi Metu are all still on this roster. Next up, the most surprising... Dante DiVincenzo. Um, obviously, everybody uh, heard that uh, Dante DiVincenzo's camp was not the most happy, which includes Dante, with the way that Sacramento handled the situation last, last uh, the end of last season, after they acquired him at the deadline in that Marvin Bagley deal. And I think that DiVincenzo has a reason to feel a type of way about it. Um, the Kings, I don't see how you can really justify playing starting Justin Holiday over DiVincenzo. I think that they were trying to mess with his value. And if I'm DiVincenzo, I wouldn't take all too kindly to that. Um, you know, I, I wrote about this when it happened at the time. I thought the Kings really had an opportunity to show that they really valued DiVincenzo and his skill set. How often are you able to say, like, we traded for this guy twice. That's how much we like him. And they kind of blew it. Um, I think they handled that situation really poorly. They didn't extend the qualifying offer of $6.6 million to DiVincenzo, so he goes into free agency unrestricted rather than restricted if they were to have extended that qualifying offer. He does still have a cap hold, um, which is at uh, 10.3, or I'm sorry, a uh, 14 million. And if the Kings were to renounce those rights, then the Kings could um, have some more space to, as uh, Siri weighs in here, uh, the Kings could have some more space to maybe take on additional salary in a return trade that's a little bit lopsided when it comes to salary. But to me, I think that uh, there's a decent chance they screwed this relationship up and maybe Dante soured a little bit on the idea of coming back to the Kings. This isn't to say that it's impossible he still comes back in unrestricted free agency. I would highly doubt it, though. And this leaves a ginormous hole for the Kings at the starting two. Um there's options out there. I think people would already say there was a hole at the two. I really liked Dante as a starting two guard next year. Shot around 40% on catch and shoot threes during his time with Sacramento. I thought he was a really good defender. He was disruptive in that sort of similar way that I talked about Keon Ellis. So this one was a shocker to me. And it leaves the Kings without a uh, solid two guard. Unless Davion Mitchell is going to be that guy. And if he's a much improved three-point shooter, then he absolutely could be that guy. If, you know, that Terrence Davis maybe is what they're thinking, or maybe it's a Justin Holiday. Um, I've heard other things 
floated around as well um, is, you know, I think that De'Aaron Fox and, and Malik Monk have a decent relationship. Is there potentially something there? Is is Gary Payton the second something that, that Mike Brown has a pre-built relationship and could bring over? Um, there's guys like Gary Harris. There's a handful of options out there. The other one that really stands out is looking back at the uh, Atlanta Hawks, who just traded Danilo Gallinari and three first-round picks to the San Antonio Spurs for DeJounte Murray. I still think that John Collins and Kevin Herter is on the table. And Kevin Herter's a guy that could fill that that starting three that starting two spot, excuse me, for the Sacramento Kings that they very desperately need to fill at this point with Dante DiVincenzo likely walking out the door. Kevin Herter has good size to him at 6'7", shot 38, almost 39% from three last year on about five and a half attempts. Really good free throw shooter, although he doesn't get to the line all too well, just kind of confirming that he's a phenomenal three-point shooter. Excuse me. Smart basketball player that moves the ball well. Um, Don't love him defensively, but I I think that he's... The best option they would have right now, in my mind, um, very easily over a Terrence Davis, over a Justin Holiday. So maybe there's still something potentially there. John Collins, Keegan Murray, and because I, you know, I think the deal to Atlanta would have to center around um, Harrison Barnes, and then additional salary would need to be thrown in there as well. Um, there's also talk of a uh, Tobias Harris and I think Matisse Thibel could be, uh, in that deal as well. Thibel's offense and lack of a three point shot was exposed in the postseason with Philadelphia and the Kings can't really afford to throw a guy out there that can't hit threes. That's going to be completely ignored. We saw that happen last year with a uh, Chemezi Metu, with a Marvin Bagley, with a honestly Davion Mitchell, got ignored times out there. Mo Harkless got ignored during times that he was out there. So, and, and we sp- saw the way that that spacing just made it tough on, uh, on De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and just those guys need as much room to operate as possible. And paint touches is something that Mike Brown highlighted in his, in his uh, introductory presser, getting as much spacing as possible is going to make it easier for De'Aaron Fox to reach the paint for, there to be post-up opportunities for DeMontis Sabonis. Um, as much as I love the defense of Matisse Thibel and those rear-view contest blocks are just absolutely going to get me going, uh, the the offense would, would struggle there. So two options for, for the Kings that I've heard floated around. There's also different uh, free agent options that they could go out and, and work with their MLE and potentially make something happen there. So I think that we're still in for a substantial move for the Sacramento Kings. There's a hole at the two, and right now there's a hole at the back of three. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the way that these next couple days play out for the Kings. Um, in the meanwhile, I'm excited for Summer League. Um, the one other guy I guess I do want to point out is that well, Frankie Ferrari is just a phenomenal name, by the way. Um, 
<laughs> I had a uh, Frankie Cardicelli today talking about how somebody was telling him that's a made up name. There's there's no way that that's real. I thought that, that was hilarious. Um, yeah, Frankie Ferrari from University of San Francisco was out there, but the guy that really popped, uh, Alex O'Connell, and popped in the way that like holy shit, that guy can jump, uh, like head above the rim, looking down into the cylinder left and right finishes like yeah i i mean there were some dunks he's throwing down that it's like everyone immediately kind of looks looks at each other like oh shit um so that was fun maybe you'll get some uh alex o'connell who played at duke and crit and Creighton. um yeah maybe he'll get to throw down some some fun dunks in summer league and it'll be interesting to see Jordy Fernandez kind of lead that team and see where the Kings are able to go from here. Um, if they're able to, I guess, uh, defend their summer league championship, I'm going to be at the California classic in San Francisco. Also got my flight to Las Vegas for the first weekend of that and working on my credentials. there. going to be at Las Vegas that should be a good time with a handful of other Kings media members. Some other guys, it's also on the um, California Classic roster. And the idea is that this is also the Vegas Summer League roster, but it's kind of all subject to change. So as of now, it's only Cal Classic roster. And even that is subject to change, just as an FYI. But some of the other names on there, again, I mentioned what I think is going to be the starting lineup, just based off the five that we're playing together today excuse me, geez, is DJ Stewart, Keon Ellis, Jared Roden, Keegan Murray, and Amish Keda. Some of the other standout guys, Frankie Ferrari, um, University of San Francisco, like I mentioned, Ade Murky played on Stockton last year, also got what I believe was a 10-day um, with the Kings last year. Matt Coleman played on Stockton last year. I kind of thought he would be the starting point guard, but it looks like that might be DJ Stewart. Um, who else do we got on here? Jariah Horn from Tulsa, who interestingly was a freshman the same year that De'Aaron Fox was, uh, six years in college for Jariah Horn. Yeah, it'll, it'll kind of be interesting to see the summer league roster play out. Mainly excited to see how, how Keegan performs in his versatility. Looking to see some, some serious growth, growth from Namish Keita and hopefully Keon Ellis can, do a good job of, of containing guys defensively being a disruptor on that end and, and hitting every open shot that's out there. And if we get some movement threes and even better, but uh, that's, I think all I got for you guys here today, I'm sure that uh, tomorrow there's going to be a whole lot of news around the league and hopefully within Sacramento as well for the beginning of free agency. And we're going to kind of shake up some of these rosters. So that's all I got um, from everything at the California Classic and Summer League roster workouts and uh, practice that, that we had today and that media availability and then those updates with Dante DiVincenzo, Chimezi Metu, Trey Lyles, Sasha Vizenkov, and I think that does it. Um, so all the great guys and gals, myself included, at the King's Herald will keep you posted as as there's more and more updates and also kind of a uh, definitely James Ham's 
the King's Beat newsletter was something I referenced a, a little bit in here for some of the specific numbers for the options for for Dante, Mezzi, and Trey Lyles, Vesenkov, and, and specific numbers. Can't uh, can't recommend enough subscribing to James's newsletter and all the great intel that comes there. The the Dante news originally came from James. James beat Woj to it and all that. So definitely stay on top of that. And like I said, uh, all the great work going on by the guys and gals, myself included, at the Kings Herald. Take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from me again in the next couple of days here.